Hello, beautiful listeners. Welcome to another episode of You Are Poetry Podcast, the place where we dive deep into the oceans of self-discovery, self-belief, and the endless journey to finding our true selves. I'm your host, Rita, and I'm absolutely thrilled to have you here with me today. We're talking about something really, really wonderful. We're talking today about finding your voice and respecting your voice and ultimately protecting your voice. And what I mean by those three things is that I have come across a lot of women, and I am pretty sure this applies to men as well. It applies to all of us, is what I'm going to say. I've come across a lot of stories about finding your voice and how that can be a transformative moment in someone's life. And for me in particular, as I went through my background and my experiences, I realized there were so many times when I did not speak up for myself, when I did not assert myself, when I did not demand that other people hear me out and listen to my perspective or my viewpoint. It's probably no accident that I am recording my voice at this point in my life. It's taken me this long in life, in my journey, to be confident enough that I have something of value to say and that it's worth recording, it's worth sharing. And I want to talk a little bit about that experience. And and I have a really amazing, I hope, insightful moment of, of clarity about how you can, you can use a phrase that I use to really encapsulate how important it is that other people give you their full attention when you are speaking. And what that does as far as building your confidence levels um, and really reinforcing a lot of the belief that you have in your value and, and your worth based on the attention that people convey to you when you are speaking with them. So I am going to give you an example of when this came to me, and then I'll tell you that I shared it with some other um, women friends, and they were like, this is amazing. So I knew I was on the right track for myself, but then finding out that it was something that could help other people, um, that, that was pivotal for me. So that's kind of the inspiration behind speaking about um, finding and respecting and protecting your voice. So I am a talker. <laughs> that should be no surprise to anybody. I speak a lot. And before I could speak and really value and protect my voice, I was thinking a lot. And so I was up in my head and I was running scenarios out and I was working things out and I was, you know, coming up with different thoughts. I was reading lots of books and then digesting those books and all of this stuff stirring up inside of me. And so in a lot of ways, I feel that I have this like deep well of story and words and insights and things that I have to offer now that I have the confidence to speak, right? 
So something I noticed that as I, and this is just the past couple of years, as I have begun to speak, speak out, speak up, I have found this this really frustrating experience has started to happen. And this is not to throw my husband under the bus whatsoever. This is an example of speaking to someone and uh, and your interaction with them and and why I think it's very important to notice something. So, I would start talking. I could I could wake up and all of a sudden something's on my mind and I just start talking. And when I say I start talking, I'm talking like this podcast. I am talking string of consciousness. I uh, you know, cohesive thoughts, ideas. It can go on and on and on and on. And usually it does. So my partner will end up listening a lot, you know, in our relationship, listening a lot to these ideas. And I call him my sounding board, literally my sounding board, because he's nodding. And, you know, sometimes he's like, oh, yeah, okay." Um, And so what I noticed that started to really, really frustrate me. And at first, I guess I suppose it would technically be called a trigger was that I would start speaking I would be really enthusiastic about what I was talking about and going really, really deep on topics. And I would notice my husband would start pacing around, walking around, getting up, getting some water, deciding to fix himself lunch. You know, he'd move into another room. I mean, it got so ridiculous. He would be in another room of the house. I would still be talking. I would still be in the middle of my thought. And he'd be in another room doing something else. And, you know, in defense of him, he's not really a person who sits around, right? So I could sit like I'm doing now. I can sit and I can speak with you. And I could do this for a very long time, <laughs> which is why one of my goals is to do shorter shorter conversations. But I can do this, you know, for, for a long time. And I didn't really value so much the... I, I guess what I'm saying, I'm trying to make excuses for him. I'm trying, and and this is where the frustration happens. I'm my mind is literally going to, well, in his defense, he can't sit for long periods of time. In his defense, he's heard me for many years talking about these topics. In his defense, and I'm going to stop that right there because what I'm talking about is in my defense, okay? And so in my experience, I find it incredibly frustrating when I am in the middle of sharing who I am, sharing a story, sharing an insight with someone, and they do not give me their full attention. And I'm going to say full, undivided attention. It's so frustrating to discover that you have a voice and something to say, and something to say with the intention of helping someone or the intention of connecting with someone, or the intention of supporting someone, or the intention of informing someone. Because this is personal and professional. And I'm going to talk about that, about how we can translate what we're doing the majority of the time in our personal life into our professional life as well. But it's incredibly frustrating to, one, discover that you haven't been using your voice for many, many years and standing up for yourself, standing up for your beliefs or sharing your beliefs. And two, then when you finally discover that you have this voice to not use it, it's incredibly 
frustrating to then use it and have someone not respect you enough to give you their undivided attention, their full and undivided attention. That is what I expect when I am speaking to someone. And I, you know, children, it's tough, right? Children, they are developing, they're all over the place, but I tend to try to encourage my my children that when I'm speaking to you, you are looking me in the eye, you are acknowledging that I'm speaking to you, you are showing respect by giving me your attention, full undivided attention for a, probably a shorter amount of time, right, than an adult is capable of, and that we have an understanding of whatever I'm communicating. And so that's really, really important. And what I noticed as I would be I would be talking is that my husband, he'd pull out his phone, you know, and he'd be scrolling. And then, of course, he'd say, I'm listening. I'm listening. And I'm like, no, I don't believe that you are listening. It's impossible for you to be listening. Sometimes you're you're even hearing. Here's the thing is like there's a difference between hearing and listening because I can in the background, I can hear my kids playing right in the in, in the distance. I can hear a siren going off. Right. In my mind, I can hear my thoughts. But if I am going to focus, I'm going to give attention to what I'm hearing. And then it becomes listening and not listening with the intention to respond, but listening with the intention to understand and to comprehend what I am giving my attention to and how it can help me. And sometimes you don't know what you're being told at a certain point. You don't know how it's going to help you later. So it's important to start mastering this muscle of paying attention, giving something your full attention, undivided, meaning unchopped up with my attention's over here, it's over there, it's over here. And that's a whole nother topic about multitasking and how that is probably one of the most unloving things you can do if you want to be a creator and be intentionally productive in your life. We're going to talk about that. So looking up at someone and they're not making eye contact with you, they are probably not even physically pointed towards you and engaged, right? Physically sending the signs of communicating with you, of being present with you. And that's what we're talking about. The, the, the presence of somebody in your life and in conversation with you and the respect, the mutual respect that happens when you are fully present and listening and absorbing the the offering that the other person is taking their time to give you. And so by my husband doing this, I started saying, I I started noticing it. I started getting triggered by it. I started getting upset by it. I started arguing about it. I started demanding, you will listen to me and, you know, all of this stuff. And then I said, okay, none of that is working. None of that is honoring me and none of that is honoring my relationship with him. So I started thinking, if I'm really, really quiet and I'm really, really present, I am led. I am guided to the path that offers me peace, the path that offers me less resistance. And that's how I know I'm on the right path. So I started to stop what I was saying, 
once I looked up and realized, you know, that all of the signals this person is giving me is saying that they are not giving me their full attention. And I tried not to read into that, right? Because people will do this for many different reasons, especially professionally, especially when you work with high achieving people, especially when you're a high achieving person. People will lack the ability to give you their full undivided attention for many different reasons. And I don't even think we need to touch too much on the meaning of all of these different reasons that people may or may not give you their full undivided attention, at least not right now. What I'm talking about is the respect that you should have for yourself and your voice and your offering in that moment by reading the, um, the signs, verbal and nonverbal, of do you have an active, listening, engaged, present person in front of you? And if you do not, and if you love, you've done the work that we've been talking about, you're on the path of saying, I know who I am, I know what matters to me, and I love who I am, and I love what matters to me, then you're going to create a boundary about how the person that you love, you, is going to be treated in this world, is going to be um, in relationship with other people in this world. That's, that's what the episodes leading up to this episode talk about. Then if you're coming from that place, that's your center, then now you have to make decisions about how you allow other people to treat you and interact with you. So that's the point that I got to. That was my aha moment of I started becoming aware after I love my voice, I love what I have to offer, and I'm looking for others who love it too, I started to become aware of the difference of speaking to someone who wants to be spoken to, who wants to glean some insight from you, who wants to be in relationship with you, versus someone who just doesn't even have the time of day for you. And I'm not talking about it not being a good time to talk, because there are good times, there are, there are worse times to speak to someone. I'm talking about, in general, the messaging that is sent when somebody does not uh, give you their full undivided attention when you are speaking to them. So what I would do is I read the room, right? And I'd say, oh, I'd be speaking. I'd be really passionate. And I would just stop. I would just stop. Stop talking. And you know what's really amazing? If this happens to you, what's really amazing is the person just keeps on doing what they were doing anyway. That's how you know that you you don't have their attention anyway. They're, they hear you talking, but it can sound like noise in the background, right? So you can equate it to you know, being on the phone with someone, and this happened to me like a lot. <laughs> okay, well, not a lot, but it's happened to me before. I'm sure it's happened to you of being on the phone and you are in the middle of telling somebody this exciting story and this happened and that happened and oh my gosh, and, and then you realize that they're not even on the line. Like they hung up and you're trying to figure out, wait, did they hear what I said? Wait, which part did they hear? And then inevitably you call each other back and you say, okay, what part of my story did you cut out on? Okay, okay. And then you have to retract, you know, like uh, backtrack and go back to that spot. But you know what happens when you go back to that spot? Or at least that happens with me. When I have to go back and retell the story 
you know, like mid-sentence, I lose the enthusiasm. I lose the joy. I lose the initial feeling that was carrying that story, that was transferring from me and my heart to that person. And, and there's a disconnect. Energetically, there's a disconnect. And literally, there's a disconnect. And I find that perhaps because I'm a writer, perhaps because I'm passionate, perhaps because I know what my purpose is, I find that to be incredibly frustrating. And it it really does, in a way, disconnect me from the person I was having the conversation with. Because I, I start to wonder, am I wasting my time here? Do you even care? You know, again, you know, you start reading into it of like, wait, what am I what am I missing here? So I would stop. I would notice that that person's multitasking and whatever their attention, you know, was on other things continued. And I started saying a phrase that I hope will help you whenever you're in a situation similar to this. I would look up and I would clearly say, whenever you're ready and just let it hang out there. And what happens when you say, whenever you're ready, are kind of two things. It, it reads and sounds like a question, like, are you ready? Are you ready to hear what I have to say to the person when they hear it? But it's more of a statement, an assertion that I am ready to bless you with my voice whenever you're ready. Because the truth is, I can't control you. I can't know when you're ready. I can read some signals. I can get the idea. But I cannot make you listen to me. I grew up hearing, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. And if there's not a truer statement about your interactions with others, especially as a parent, especially, you know, as a teacher, as anybody, you know, really, who has something of value to offer... It's it's amazing. It's like, okay, I can lead you here to my podcast. I cannot control if you're going to pay attention enough, long enough through what I'm sharing with you so that it can reach your heart, so it can reach you and you can digest it and find out if it's of value to you. I can't control that. That's not my job. My job is to show up prepared with a message on my heart through my voice and present it. That is your job in life, showing up prepared and ready to share who you are. And what I'm talking about is when you love yourself, you require respect. In my episode about finding out what unconditional love is, I talked about what the, the tenants of, of real love and how it shows up and manifests in your life. And then those should be the parameters of how you gauge, is this loving? Is this unloving? And of course, it starts with you. Are you loving to yourself or are you unloving to yourself? And chances are, if you're unloving to yourself, you'll allow other people to be unloving to you. This is why I'm talking about this. This is so pivotal that once I realize that I love myself, I value my voice, I realize that I'm only talking to people who value my voice and give me their full, undivided attention because I have something to say. There's a reason I have to say it. And I hope that the reason that you're giving me your full, undivided attention 
is because there is a message in there that you need to have at that moment. I also say a lot, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. I've always felt that when I needed to hear a message, it came. It comes in many different forms. It comes by the stranger I don't even know who walks past me, who happens to stop me and say, you know what, I was thinking about this, that, and that. Or the kid who comes up to me and says, you know, my daughter comes up to me oftentimes and she'll say things that are really, really um, insightful. And she says, you need to um, not get so angry about that, mom. You know, don't be angry with your kids because, you know, your kids are only kids for a little bit of time. She say, say these like random things. And if I'm not paying attention and if I don't give her my full undivided attention, I would miss those nuggets of of truth, those pieces, you know, those messages that find me when I'm ready. And I believe the, the other part of the when you're ready is when you're ready to be present, when you're ready to receive it. So my statement is, whenever you're ready, and then it requires the other person to decide if they're ready. Because I don't get to decide that. I can, I can read it. I'm like, oh, you're not giving me your full attention. And that's unloving to me. So I will save whatever it is I thought I was dropping on you today. <laughs> you know, like I, I, arrogance or whatever. I thought I had something really, really great to share with you today. But <laughs> I was wrong. <laughs> I must have been wrong. Let me, let me save that. You know what I mean? So um, whenever you're ready is my phrase for um, kind of a statement of, of love, of like when you're ready to connect with me, then I'm ready to connect with you. And it's also allowed the person I'm speaking to, in this example, I'm talking about my husband, it allows him the opportunity to check in with himself and say, is this a good time? Am I ready? Am I ready to connect? Do I want to hear what's what's being said right now? Or should I respect my voice and say, actually, this is not a good time. Actually, I have something else I need to give my attention to, right? And to make some decisions about interactions with people. So I want to move forward and I want to talk about, let me, let me see, I want to talk about um, the refusal to chase a listener. So when you are, when you're in a professional capacity, many times you are at tables with people who do, do different roles and whatever you have to offer is to inform them so that you guys can form a cohesive group and you can be on the same page and have the same goals in alignment for moving an organization forward. So if you think about the importance of your voice, especially for women, especially for women of color, and ultimately for everybody, when you come to the table and people need to hear what you have to say, it's important for you to assert yourself and be confident and to know that you are adding value to the conversation. And in many settings, the frustrating part could be that the people who are at the table do not inherently or bias, they have a bias that, that exists where they do not value your voice. 
And so what do you do in situations where it seems like you're invited to the table, but you're not welcome to speak and contribute to the conversation? And is that an unloving situation to be in? Of course it is. Of course it is. So then what do you do? Well, in, in, in my experience, it's better to speak to people and reach people one-on-one than it is to communicate that type of message to a group. And I say that because all of these people in the group are going to be at different variations of listening. And they'll have other things in the way of why they're not listening to you at that moment or in that meeting. And so you don't want to waste your time chasing listeners. When I was studying about public speaking, I, I, I wish I could remember who it was, um, who the speaker was, who, sa- who said this. He said, if you are in front of an audience... And you, you know, you're you're speaking and, you know, you're enthusiastic about what you're saying. And you look out at the audience and, you know, some some people are like not hopefully they're not nodding off and going to sleep. But who knows? Maybe they took a, you know, early flight and they're tired. I don't know. But, you know, people get up, they go to the bathroom. People are looking at papers. People are zoning out. People whatever. They're not fully engaged in your presentation. And then you might find probably towards the front, you might find somebody who's nodding, you know, it's giving you all these body language signals that, wow, they're engaged. They like what you're saying. They're, they're with it. They're present. You're speaking to them. You might have sold tickets to your event. You might have a thousand people in front of you. And for whatever reason, they have different barriers to why they're not present and listening to you. I might be talking to you and you were like, oh, you know, Rita, I'm definitely going to listen to your podcast for sure. I, you know, I support you. I believe you. But then you get into a situation where you put the podcast on and it's in your house and you're washing dishes and you're folding laundry. You're doing other things and you're you're all over the place and you are not giving your full undivided attention to what I'm sharing with you right now. Or you might be a listener who is put it on while they're in the car. Hello. <laughs> Drive safely. Right now you have you're driving, but my voice is what you're focused on as well. Drive safely. Right. I can appreciate the fact that there's going to be lots of different type of people who are hearing me. I'm not talking to them. I am talking to the people who are listening to me. And that's what I show up for. And if that happens to be one person today, I'm grateful If it happens to be one person 15 years from now who comes across this, I am grateful. But I will not chase you. I will not chase you to help you. I will not chase you to bless you. I will not chase you to pour into you. Because I've been on the other side of that, where I need to be the listener, where I need to be present, where I need to give my full undivided attention. Because in some way, somehow, I am receiving a message that I need to hear that is going to move me forward. And the the reason that means something to me is because time, I mentioned this in my my, uh, previous episode, we don't have a lot of time. And if you know, you know, we, my grandmother used to say that life is a vapor. Life is a vapor. 
when you start living and really paying attention and not just going through the motion and showing up and, you know, I'm okay, I'm here, check it off my list. Okay, I'm there, check it off my list. When you become really, really present, you don't waste your time. You do not waste your time. I love reading. There are books I I don't have the I don't have the time it takes to listen to that book if it takes that author, you know, 20 chapters to get to a meaningful point. So there's there's an element of we don't have a lot of time to share who we are. I I was um I was touring a school the other day. And I popped into a classroom and they were reading a poem and it was a stanza of like five lines. And it I don't believe there's accidents. If there was, it was a happy accident because I popped in and they introduced me. They said, oh, she's a poet. And this is the children's first time reading a poem and uh, close reading, analyzing line by line. And I listened to the kids for a while and they, they asked me, oh, you know, do you have anything to offer? Absolutely. Inside, I'm like, absolutely. I've been waiting for this moment (laughs) to talk to littles, you know, little budding poets and writers and readers, right? And I said, oh, this is wonderful to do this. The economy of words, to be able to say something that is very, very meaningful in a short amount of time is a skill. And I actually believe it is a skill that we are going to need even more in the future and really now. TikTok and these social media platforms are reshaping and reforming how we consume content. So as a child, if I was sitting down watching an hour-long program because there were commercials in between, it, it took up a full hour, but it was actually 30 minutes long. 30 minutes of commercials mixed in, and 30 minutes of content. Now, when we've removed the commercials, my kids will sit down for an hour-long, you know, exposure to a platform. And they've they've had an entire hour of content. Now, the value of that content is debatable, of course, but it, it's an explosion of information and short-form content. So by default, we have to be able to manage our time and the content that we're consuming and make it more valuable because there's a lot of it. There's a lot of podcasts to listen to. There's a lot of people to talk to. There's a lot of things to fill your time up with, but what's the value? There's a thing with diet where it's called volumetrics. You'll have to look it up. And it's the idea that you can eat eat more and, oh, well, is it, I'll have to look it up too. There's this idea that you can eat more and have more, more value add, meaning you're like more satisfied with more food, or is it less food? <laughs> I'm going to have to look it up. But that's what came to mind, that like you can have a piece of toast, an egg, you know, some butter and a coffee. And that's your breakfast. And that sounds very simple, right? But that's like nutritionally satisfying versus a donut, like three donuts, orange juice, you you know, an omelet, like all of this other extra food that really doesn't have a lot of value. So 
I'm trying to think also uh, professionally. There was a thought I had about it um, applying to your professional life um, that you don't have a lot of time. So it's going to become even more important who you give your full undivided attention to and to make sure that whoever you're speaking to, you're providing value for in a short amount of time. So I talk about personal narrative, which is about the story that you tell yourself and the story then that you share with other people so that they know who you are and what matters to you. And then they know where you fit in their life. And they also know how to help you. And so it becomes really, really important within the first, you know, several seconds of meeting someone that you convey to them who you are and and it, like a in a very quick way because they're moving on to the next. They're moving on to the next piece of content. They're moving on to the next activity in their life. So you've got to be really, really clear. And you're not going to chase anybody to be clear with them. If you meet somebody and you start saying, this is what I, I like and this is who I am, and, and you share your story with them and they're not interested, don't waste any time. They're not interested. Something that's really amazing, I think, as you get older... Well, I know like as you get older, like late 30s, 40s, especially about friendships and, and looking for friends. Um, and I could I have a whole other podcast that I'd like to discuss about kind of my hacks of, of creating friendships. But in general, as you've gotten older, you should know more of who you are. You should know more of what you like and what you don't like. So when you do meet someone, it should happen pretty quickly that you're like, okay. Yeah, they're my people, or they're someone I'd like to become my people. And the reason that happens is because you're not wasting any time. You know, it, it, you had plenty of time in kindergarten and first grade and second grade to like, oh, I've known them for five years because we went to school together, elementary school together. So now I kind of like them, right? <laughs> now I like them. They've grown on me. I don't actually think the future and like where we're going with how fast we consume content and stuff. It's like, I don't think you have an opportunity or the luxury of a whole bunch of years and a whole bunch of time for you to love me. Personally, I think, you know, especially with podcasts and with books, I could, I have this thing. My, my girlfriends think it's kind of funny. I'm in a book club. And I have this thing where I believe that the first line of books tells you, tells you like, how amazing the book is. And I believe that because of all of the books I've read, um, you know, they have really remarkable first lines. And that is, that drives me as a writer and it drives me as a person. And I, so you start to think about people that way or think about a meeting, going into a professional meeting and you stand up and you have to present something. What's your first line, right? Um, in writing, we call it uh, the hook the line sinker, right? Like, what is the hook? What's going to hook them into wanting to hear more of what you have to say? My first line of my podcast is, um, is hello, beautiful listeners. Welcome to the to another episode of your poetry podcast. That's my first line. Hello, beautiful listeners. That's not about me. That's about you. You're beautiful. You are poetry. That's why I'm here to talk about you. When I get into the interview um, sections that I'm really excited, I have lots of people raising their hand, wanting to have a conversation and wanting that conversation to be shared with you. 
my beautiful listeners, so that you can glean some insight, some wisdom from their story, their beautiful poetic journey, right? And and so it is it's it's a wonderful it's a wonderful time to be creating content. It's also a wonderful time to be coming into your own authentic voice because you all have something to offer. That's really where, like my writing, when I started um, um, with my English degree, that's really where I began. I began talking to my mentors and my professors about the idea that there are women all over this planet that have stories, that have experiences, that have lived a life many times in private, and they don't believe that sharing those stories will offer value to the world. They don't believe that their voice is valuable. There are many children on this planet that are having experiences that do not ever get told. My son has had many experiences so far, and he sat down and he's written about those experiences. And in somehow, some way, sometime, some form, those messages will reach another child and help them through a similar situation. I love the idea about books and nothing being new and nothing being um, unexperienced. And so if we can go back into those books and go back into those stories and go back into those narratives, those messages, we can take with us um, the ability to save time that none of us ever really have enough of. We can save time because we can hear someone else's story someone else's struggle and someone else's blueprint. And then we can cobble it together and apply it to our life and save time. There's some people who have written books. I think um, a lot about the slave narratives that were written here in America. And they've written, written these narratives about what they've endured. And these are things that we would never even imagine and hoped, hope to never again see in human history, right? And they have they have they spent their entire lifetime the whole arc of their lifetime enduring and then sharing what they endured in an effort i believe of sending that forward paying it forward so that someone else at some point doesn't have to endure um maybe for as long or maybe um as in depth the the pain that was inflicted on, on that person's life. So I believe books are shortcuts. I believe books are bridges. I believe books are not just bound, you know, in paper. I believe that we are books, that we are living pages, that we are poetry. I believe that you are poetry, and I believe your voice is valuable. And I believe that once you believe that your voice is truly valuable, then you will value how other people treat your voice. So I'm going to leave you with what has really helped me whenever I am speaking and I do not have the full undivided attention and the respect of someone who is listening. I simply stop and I say, whenever you're ready. Thank you so much 
for sharing your time with me and giving me your full undivided attention. I truly appreciate it. And I look forward to our next conversation. Until next time.